Okay, so uh, back at it. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Colby, the Cowboys, never a doubt, are 4-0 this season. OSU is riding high. <laughs> never a doubt, Carson. I mean, we've been saying it all year. They just look like a well-oiled machine on both sides of the ball. We're rolling now. Yeah, I mean, through get two games, if you had bet the over on the win total for Oklahoma State, you you'd be very concerned, but now that they're four and zero, and seemingly have found an offense, you're, uh, you're starting to count your money already. It's been a wild, just four games to this point. It's been a roller coaster already. Yeah, it absolutely has been. And the thing is, I mean, Saturday night was the first time that we saw Spencer Sanders and Tay Martin together. I gotta be really honest with you, Carson. I like what I saw. Tay Martin is that guy. You seen that YouTube or the uh, Twitter video that's gone viral? You're not that guy, pal. You're not that guy. <laughs> Tay Martin is that guy. He is an absolute stud, and he just changes what defenses have to do defensively. You can't single cover him. I mean, I mean, you're welcome to, but it's going to turn into that fade for an easy touchdown like what they did Saturday night. The offense is different with him out there. It is, and I, I love the you're not that guy, pal, clip. I love it so much. I think I still have it on my camera roll somewhere, but that would, that would take me a while to find it. But, uh, but first let's go. We're going to talk much more about the Oklahoma state win over Kansas state. Look ahead to a big ranked matchup. One of the fewest, one of the few ranked matchups on the weekend coming up for Oklahoma state hosting 21st ranked Baylor. But first let's hear from Chris university spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at Chris university spirit.com. We appreciate them sponsoring the pod as always. And, Colby and I are going to do our best to do this show because we got the Cowboys and Eagles on right now. We're taping on a rare Monday night during Monday night football. So we're going to try and do our best to stay on task here. It's kind of tough with such a great matchup with the, uh, the America's team, as they're called, the other, the other Cowboys. But um, Colby, let's just start with this. I mean, the first half for OSU just looked like vintage Oklahoma State offense. It's almost like I had to rub my eyes and, and squint hard at the TV to say, like, is this 2011? I mean, guys running wide open over the middle of the field. You mentioned it, Tay Martin, Spencer Sanders. I mean, they put up 31 points in the first half, which is more than they had scored an entire game this year. Were, were you as startled as I was watching the first half offensively? Carson, I was in Boone Pickens Stadium, and I almost fell out of my seat in the second section onto the field when they ran a screen on the first play of the game, and the defense was totally unprepared for a screen because they hadn't been doing it. I mean, there were no screens. It was not a part of the offense, and it worked to such success, 52 yards on the first play, and then Oklahoma State proceeded to just drive down the field, drive down the field, drive down the field. Jayla Warren looked great. Tay Martin looked great. Brennan Presley had a nice touchdown catch, and I'll say this. I, I, we sit in the, that west end zone. The throw that Spencer Sanders made to Brennan Presley, that's one of the better, like for the people out there who are like, okay, this is a guy who needs to be able to get through his progressions and read multiple levels of defense and make throws across the middle of the field. That was a soft zone that K-State was sitting in. They had a linebacker underneath, a safety deep. Brennan Presley splits those two guys. Spencer lets go of the ball before he actually gets across the linebacker and the safety, hits him perfectly in stride, and then he rolls into the end zone on top of the defender for the touchdown. I was really taken aback by how easy Oklahoma State made it look to gain yards and to score because that's what we talked about last week, Carson. It's like they were doing some things, right? But everything looked hard. It looked so difficult to get 10 yards. 10 yards seemed like this insurmountable thing that was a big ask. And then Saturday night for an entire half, it's like, 
marching up and down the field. It was vintage. I, I felt like I'd gotten in a time machine and gone back to the offenses of old. It was really fun to watch. Yeah, and this is where the confusion of Mike Gundy's role versus Casey Dunn and all the predecessors we've seen at offensive coordinator, we always wonder, you know, who's calling the plays? And to me, just speculating, this looked like a Casey Dunn offense. I mean, it looked like the reins were totally off to where they weren't just running it up the middle and throwing sideways, which is what, you know, we had seen through two games and which is why we were so concerned with the offense because they literally couldn't run the football. And I, I do think this was probably Spencer Sanders' best game. I mean, it's certainly up there with the Oregon State game. The Oregon State game, he also ran for 100 yards. He was just pure electricity in that game. This was certainly his best game in terms of a measured, efficient approach throwing the football. I mean, 344 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, and a rushing touchdown on top of it. This was the quarterback that we have expected to see thus far in his career. Just he's accurate. He's just a, a ball of fire. You know, he, Mike Gundy joked in his press conference that he like he like did a cartwheel and then ran out of the pocket when he put the ball down on the ground. Like that's just kind of who he is. He's kind of a Gundy called him the Tasmanian Devil back there, and that's you you got to live with that because man, what we saw Colby that that's what if he can play like that, that kind of controlled chaos is the, the way I describe it when watching Spencer Sanders. Well, then man, this this offense is, is really back on track and can really, you know, end up in Jerry world. If this offense plays like this, the way they did in the first half, we'll get to the second half, but man, the first half was lights out with Spencer. Yeah. And I think it really is. He's just a streaky player and, and fans are just going to have to live with that. He's going to have highs and he's going to have lows. He's also a rhythm player because in the first half, Oklahoma state had a serious rhythm going offensively. And, and, I think that the offensive rhythm might have even been helped by the Kansas State kick return because then you get right back out there after you just march down the field and they march down the field immediately again. They're in a serious rhythm. And then, like you said, in the second half, they come out and the play calling is uber conservative. It's let's kill clock. Let's put our defense out there. Let's just get this thing to the house and we've got a win locked up. And then he was out of rhythm. And in the second half, he made some errant throws. He was overthrowing Tay Martin a couple times on some of those crossing routes. He just, he, he was not as accurate accurate in the first half as he was in the second half and they end up going uh, going scoreless in the second half he had Blaine Green running up the seam wide open missed him let him out about a yard too far in front and uh, some, some things just weren't as smooth in the second half but the fan base is going to have to accept that you're not going to get four quarters of Tom Brady like efficiency and just carving up the defense he's a streaky player he's a rhythm player when it's going really well like what we saw in the first half he can be so good that he can give defenses nightmares when it's going poorly like we saw at Boise State when he was down receivers against Tulsa at times last year when he's turning the ball over when it starts going south it can really go south and it's just it's the Spencer Sanders experience and the highs that he can give you whenever he has healthy receivers and skilled players and a decent pocket to throw from the highs are worth the risk of, Hey, he might do something crazy here that we're not going to like it. It's just, it's the Spencer Sanders experience and everybody just has to accept it. Yeah. And I, I think the return of the receiving core was massive. I mean, look, Gundy had been harping on it. I had, I was kind of tired of hearing about it with how poorly the offensive line and, and running game was playing, but, Clearly, that made a difference. First game, they had all three starting receivers with the quarterback, Spencer Sanders, back. And, Colby, you were right, man. You said all along Tay Martin was going to be the guy at receiver. And as much as I like Brennan Presley, who's a really good player, made an unbelievable play on that, that throw that you mentioned where 
he was able to kind of just stay alive and stay afloat over the defender to cross the goal line was a, a great play by Brennan Presley. But Tay Martin, man, in his two games, he's had 15 catches, 207 yards, and two touchdowns with an average of about 14 yards per catch. He's a complete and total difference maker for this offense. I mean, what he was able to do, not only on the fade route, which was really kind of eerily similar to the all the Justin Blackman fade routes we'd ever seen throughout history, kind of the over the right shoulder toward that that uh, that east end zone. But make no mistake, like you cannot understate the importance of Tay Martin in this offense. And Colby, you were right all along about it because he is just a flat out stud. Uh, is this the part where I'm supposed to give it up to myself? Is that what I'm supposed to do? Well, we were all like oh, most of the articles coming out of Stillwater said he was going to be the guy, but I picked Presley. So, yes, you can crow to me. Uh, so, I mean, look, Tay Martin is just he's unbelievably talented, unbelievably athletic. And the offense just looks different when he's out there. It's I mean, for two games, we had, uh, you know, some talented receivers, but they're young guys. And and Brennan Presley just hasn't really popped yet. And we're just kind of waiting for things to click for the offense. And then Tay Martin comes back and they throw up. I mean, not 31 and a half, 24 and a half. The defensive touchdown got him to 31. But it wasn't just the fade. I mean, they were using the middle of the field. They were getting him on some deep crossers. They threw quick screens out to him. And I mean, it's like the one quick screen uh, on, on the east side of the field. They just throw it to him and he gets it. He stiff arms a guy. Next thing you know, he's 30 yards down the field. That's what you do. You get the ball in your best player's hands and let him go to work. And that's what they did Saturday night. It was refreshing. It was fun to watch. And I'm telling you, if Tay Martin's on the field, this offense is different. It was one of the best passing games of Spencer Sanders' career. And I don't think it's a coincidence that he was back. Jalen Warren, again, was awesome. But uh, Tay Martin was a huge huge difference maker and I mean at this point he's looking like one of the most valuable players if not the most valuable player on that offense because like I said it's not even just Spencer having him out there he opens things up for the rest of the offense because all game Kansas State was having to shade that safety to his side all game because they knew that Tay was so much better than the guy that they had out there guarding him that they couldn't leave him on an island and when they did he got burnt so uh, I think that what we saw Saturday night bodes very well for this offense moving forward whenever Tay Martin's healthy. Yeah, you, you, you have to have Tay Martin if you want to get to Jerry World because we, we saw the regression in the passing game without him. He's just he's just a difference maker. He, he's the playmaker on the outside that you have to have where when Sanders, when the chips are down, Sanders can throw it up and he can go make a play, which he, he did near the end zone to get his touchdown catch. But for me, the MVP of the offense is Jalen Warren, number seven. I mean, this dude has literally transformed the running game, if not the entire offense. And he had 27 carries, 123 yards. The the previous high against Kansas State all year was 47 yards. That's, That's the leading rusher they had given up so far. And it's so much more than that because, Colby, you and I have been talking about this for weeks, like, why don't they throw to the running backs? It's just an extension of the running game where this, the screen game is non-existent, as you've said. He gets 81 yards receiving out of the backfield. And it's one thing to target him. It's one thing to hand it off to him. But the most impressive thing about Jalen Warren, the guy just doesn't go down after the first tackle. The guy breaks so many tackles. His yards after contact has to be among the lead leaders in the country. And he just gives off such strong Kendall Hunter vibes. We, we all remember that first few games we saw Kendall Hunter when he was a freshman. I, I was up there in Lincoln, Nebraska, covering the OSU-Nebraska game when he played as a freshman. He was just getting eight, nine, ten yards of carry 
bouncing off dudes. Jalen Warren just, even when he's stopped at the line of scrimmage, he always gets an extra three or four yards. And that to me is a true sign of a great running back. And, and I thought he was flat out awesome against Kansas State. He was so good, Carson. When he went down with that cramp, it ended up being a cramp, but we didn't know at the time. He's like rolling around on the ground. And cramps hurt. I mean, he's like rolling around in pain. And I'm like standing on the seat in front of us, hands behind my head, just exasperated. I'm like, no, they can't lose Jalen Warren. Not now because he's become that important. At the beginning of the season, we just kind of thought, okay, you got four running backs. They'll all kind of split carries throughout the season. And maybe a guy emerges, maybe he doesn't, but they're set at that position. And then it started to look dicey the first couple of weeks of the season. And now we all realize that Oklahoma State has a star in Jalen Warren. And the Kendall Hunter comparison is so good. Just kind of a shorter, stockier back, but quick, shifty. You know, Mike Gundy talked a lot the first couple of weeks of the season about, you know, we're just one block away. We've got one guy coming. We've got to make that one guy miss. Jalen Warren makes that one guy miss. He makes that one guy miss, and then he gets out and he goes. And I love his acceleration. He, he seems to always hit the right hole. He's incredibly quick and shifty. Uh, I just, everything about Jalen Warren has been awesome. And if you'd have told me through four games that we'd be sitting here looking at L.D. Brown, Desmond Jackson, and Dominic Richardson and saying, you know what? You have to keep those guys on the sideline because you can't even justify bringing Jalen Warren off the field. I would have thought you were crazy, but he's that good. You can't justify bringing him off the field because he brings that much to your offense. So uh, I love what they've done with Jalen Warren. It's been absolutely awesome, and uh, he seems like a good kid too. So I'm glad he's having all the success that he is. Yeah, I mean, L.D. Brown and Desmond Jackson both missed Saturday's game with injuries, so the the deep backfield quickly just in the fourth game was down to, to two guys, him, him and Dominic Richardson. And uh, you mentioned he went down with a cramp. <laughs> this is hilarious. Uh, Mike Gundy called him a sweater. He just, he sweats a lot. And uh, Casey Dunn says, quote, you see the guy, <laughs> I can relate to this. Cause I'm a sweater too. I sweat like Patrick Ewing or Kendrick Perkins. That's how much I sweat. But he says, uh, Casey Dunn says, quote, you see the guy work up the lather in the pregame warmups. It's like, hey, man, the game hasn't started yet. And he's already sweating like he's played four quarters. So I can relate, Jalen Warren. I understand. Like I, when I play golf, I'm the dude on the driving range that's already worked up a lather like I've played four quarters. So I get it. And that's why he needed an IV. So clearly he just needs to stay hydrated. and He'll be all right. Yeah, absolutely. Just keep him hydrated. Make sure he's drinking water. And uh Make sure that you give him a break every now and then. We don't want too many breaks, though. He's just, he's too good, man. You can't take him off the field. I'm telling you, when they ran that screen on the first play for 52 yards with Jalen Warren, I'm just like, okay, this guy, this guy is legit. And I love the play calling Saturday night in that first half. Let me ask you this, though, Carson, because Oklahoma State, Colby Harvell Peel gets a great interception with a minute and a half to go in the first half. He almost like hid behind the receiver, and then Will Howard lets it go, and he jumps out and, and grabs it. Colby Harvell Peel was awesome Saturday night. Jarek Bernard Converse was so good in coverage. They targeted him early and often, and he was just up to the challenge at every step. But a minute and a half to go, three timeouts, and it very much seemed like Oklahoma State was just okay with running three plays, punting, and hoping that they kept Kansas State out of the end or, or, or kept Kansas State from scoring. And as good as everything was in the first half, I mean, I really thought to myself, I'm going to have nothing to complain about from an entire half of football. And then they just absolutely sat on the ball and, and elected to just run three boring plays and punt with a minute and a half and three timeouts. I know you're up 31 to 10, 
What's wrong with 34-10? What's wrong with 38-10? You were dominating them. You had them on your heels. And I really thought that Oklahoma State took its foot off the pedal and took their throat, took their uh, their foot off of Kansas State's throat. And that I wasn't crazy about. That's my only small complaint from the first half. Minute and a half, three timeouts, and you're carving up a defense like that? And you just decide to stop? I thought that was a little strange. Yeah, and Gundy admitted that in the post game. He's like, I made a big mistake. He thought we should have run our two minute offense and going to get more points. It cost us a field goal by letting case take get the ball back. And I think it really affects Mike when they're playing Kansas state. And especially when they're down to their second, even third string quarterback. Cause you know, with 31, I just, when you have to score 31 in the first half, he's just thinking, don't throw a pick six here. Don't fumble it for a, a, a touchdown which I get is the scared way of thinking with three timeouts, the way you're dominating. I think your opponent has a lot to do with that. They're playing Oklahoma, Colby. I would have been livid with it. And Gundy even admitted that it was probably a mistake. So, yes, I, I think that's the one criticism you could have from the first half. And, and look, it, it, you didn't even have to run anything exotic with the way the offense was cooking to, to go get in field goal range. You really didn't. Now, how close would you have to get with the way the kicking situation is right now? It's another story. But Mike Gundy, at least Colby, to his credit, admitted after the game he should have he should have put in a two minute offense. Yeah, I'll say this: I did have one other small complaint. As soon as the game started, Oklahoma State won the toss in the first. So as soon as the game started, Oklahoma State uh, was going to be kicking off first. And I sit next to my dad and I told him, you know what I would love? I'd love to get through an entire game against Kansas State without giving up a kickoff return for a touchdown. And, <laughs> and I mean, it's not seven or eight minutes later, guys taking it to the house, and I'm like. How does this always happen? How does Kansas State always take one to the house? It's the craziest thing. Uh, it ended up just being the one, and it didn't cost Oklahoma State, which is great. But, um, you know, they had just – I don't know. What, what is it with Kansas State, Carson? They always take one to the house against us. Well, they do that to everybody. That's how they win football games because they're not explosive on offense. They're, they're pretty good on defense, and they just – you know, remember that they beat Oklahoma and Norman last year. They blocked a punt. I mean, that's just kind of what they do. They're they're good on special teams, and they 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 find they find those margins in football games where they can exploit things. And and that was one of them. And and you don't see very many kickoff returns. Period. And all of a sudden, Oklahoma State's returned one this year. Then they give up one to Kansas State. Other than that, I thought their coverage was pretty good in the game. But you just when that happened, Colby, you're just like, here we go. It's gonna be one of those crazy OSU K-State games because K-State just got a free seven points because their offense we knew was not very explosive but fortunately they didn't come back and bite them yeah fortunately it didn't because a lot of times it does uh but they made mistakes I mean obviously they missed Skylar Thompson in a huge huge way and I think he's going to be back on Saturday but Will Howard is not the guy Lewis isn't the guy and Oklahoma State's defense was great again you know Will Howard uh botches the the snap or the handoff whatever it was and uh Oklahoma State pounces on it Malcolm Rodriguez pounces on it in the end zone uh Colby Harvell Peel comes up with the interception and I mean really the defense was great all night they gave up one defensive touchdown or one offensive touchdown to K-State the entire game and it really was a fluke it was a busted play where the quarterback was essentially sacked and then he just kind of flipped it out to Deuce Vaughn and there was nobody in front of him for 50 yards so it was very much a fluke and it was the only offensive touchdown Kansas State scored so uh, just continue to be impressed by and encouraged by the performance of the defense because I don't see any reason why they would start to slow down uh, Brock Martin and the injury 
he suffered is definitely concerning. Mike Gundy said hopefully he'll be able to be back at some point. Uh, he said as soon as Brock Martin can be back, Brock Martin will be back. So uh, look forward to that. But for now, Colin Oliver, true freshman, you're up. Depth chart, Trace Ford's out, Brock Martin's out, Colin Oliver's the starter this weekend against Baylor. So I uh, hope he's ready. Boy, he's been impressive. He, he played a lot in this game. Uh, Colin Oliver's gotten a lot of hype coming into the year. He's been really good. And so is this defense. Let's let's talk about the defense, Colby, because you mentioned it. I mean, essentially, you know, the one touchdown that they give up, I mean, that was a weird play. What did – I was watching on ESPN Plus. You were at the game. What, did Howard just, like, throw it as he's getting hit and there was just nobody back there? How did – how did uh, – How'd the running back just get loose like that? Yeah, I mean, Oklahoma State kind of brought a bunch of guys, and uh, there wasn't really anybody on the back end. I mean, Oklahoma State pretty much brought everybody. They had him sacked, and as he's falling, he just, like, flicks it, and Deuce Vaughn's there, and Deuce Vaughn turns around. There's 50 yards because the receivers would run deep patterns. So there's 50 yards in front of him. The receivers realize what's happened. He gets a couple of blocks downfield. Next thing you know, there he goes. I mean, he's fast. He's quick. Uh, but that's pretty much all that he did. Deuce Vaughn, the first three games of the season, and this, again, just speaks to Jim Knowles' defense and how good they've been. I know Skylar Thompson isn't out there, and I know you got him down early and took him out of their, their comfort zone, but Deuce Vaughn had run for 200-plus yards in each of the first three games. He had 13 carries for 22 yards on Saturday night. He could not move. I mean, 200-plus yards, three straight games, and then he goes 13 for 22. He could not move. He could not breathe. Oklahoma State gave him nothing. That will be the worst performance he'll have all year at the hands of that Oklahoma State front seven, which is starting to look like one of the best front sevens in the conference. Uh, what they're doing on that side of the ball should give Oklahoma State fans great hope that this team can, now that Tay Martin's back and the offense is getting healthy, Hunter Woodward's back, Spencer maybe's getting into a little bit of a rhythm, uh, first game that he's really had all of his weapons. I mean, I think that as, as down as we were the first three weeks, I think there's real reason for hope now, Carson. I know. That's that's kind of my big takeaway was, you know, I was bullish on this team coming into the year because of the defense, because of the offensive skill talent, which was young, but I was pretty high on. And I was I was ready to move on from Mike Gundy after like the second game of the year. And I, I was just thinking more in, in large-scale terms than just the first two games, just where this program was headed trajectory-wise. But, but just let's looking at it at a, at a micro level with the way their defense is playing. Now, granted, they haven't played just, you know, a, a truly explosive offense. And let's face it, there's not a lot of explosive offenses in the country right now, let alone the Big 12. Even Oklahoma's struggling offensively. So you factor in OSU's defense with what this offense can be, what we saw in the first half. We need to talk about the second half here in a second, but you factor all those in, Colby, they can win the rest of the games on their schedule. I mean, most of the games on their schedule and absolutely could get to Jerry World, which I did not expect to be saying after the first two games. Yeah, I mean, Iowa State doesn't look uh, as great as we thought. The, the Baylor-Iowa State game, I think, is a little bit fraudulent. Um, Iowa State dominated that game, except special teams. Some really fluky things happened for Baylor to win that game. That being said... Iowa State's not that good. I mean, they got just, uh, they didn't get demolished by Iowa, but Iowa was clearly a better team. Uh, they got beat by Baylor because they couldn't get out of their own way and kept making mistakes. Oklahoma, 
No, Oklahoma hasn't looked great. Oklahoma never looks great the first six weeks of the season. And then, you know, they always win a game by one or two possessions and everybody freaks out. Guess what? Oklahoma State always gets to play in week 12. By week 12, they've got it figured out. And then there's the whole Bedlam factor. OU's going to win Bedlam again. I know it. I'm prepared for it. They're going to win the conference. That's fine. I'll tell you the team that looks really good and looks borderline scary right now. And I didn't think I'd be saying this at the end of September. Texas with Casey Thompson? That off. I know it was Tech. But Casey Thompson, going back to last season, has led Texas on scoring drives on 24 of the 28 drives that he's been quarterback. And that offense looks seriously legit. So I, I don't know how I feel uh, about pe- people being able to stop Texas right now. They found something. Clearly, they were playing the wrong quarterback. I mean, Hudson Card gets just demolished by Arkansas. They dropped 70 on Texas Tech. And look, I know it's Texas Tech, but could Oklahoma score 70 on Texas Tech? I doubt it. Could Oklahoma State? I doubt it. Um, I don't think Texas is all that great defensively, but boy, I mean, and I said this all along about Sarkeesian. Look, I don't I don't think he's Saban, clearly, but I do think he will at least figure out the offense for Texas, which in the Big 12 – if you have the if you have one of the better quarterbacks in the league and the better offenses in the league, you got a chance to win the league every year. Just look at Oklahoma; they're winning it with with just shoddy defense and just although albeit you know record breaking offense. But but no, Texas is going to be a much tougher route than I really envisioned coming into the year. I thought they were kind of a mess, and I thought Sarkeesian was going to have to kind of navigate a mess, and it certainly looked that way after the way they got molly whopped by Arkansas, but. We'll have to see how they play against Tech or against Oklahoma and OU Texas. That's gonna be a fascinating game in terms of the, the Big 12 title race for sure. I mean, what the hell were they seeing in preseason that they decided Hudson Card was the guy? And I I mean, look, they came out and looked good against Louisiana, and maybe Arkansas is just good. You know, Arkansas beats AM 20 to 10 on Saturday. Maybe Arkansas is just good. I don't know that I'm totally all the way there yet, but they got demolished by Arkansas. And now they look like they might be legit. The OU thing is really weird. It's something is just off with them, but they always find a way to get it figured out. I don't know. I'm just not a believer that that they're going to end up being a, a nine and three team. That just doesn't seem uh, crazy realistic to me. There's not any huge juggernauts in this conference. Uh, I think OU is going to beat Kansas State by about 25 on Saturday. Um, I actually think that the fans chanting, we want Caleb and booing on all this stuff. I think that's going to create a a deeper bond and camaraderie amongst those guys. And I think it's going to make them work even harder. I don't know. I just, maybe that's the pessimist in me, but even (laughs) Saturday, even Saturday, whenever West Virginia was ahead, it's like, okay, West Virginia's ahead, but we all know they're not going to win. We all know that OU is going to pull it out by one score and we're going to have to get on Twitter and see all this sooner magic crap. Like we know how this movie ends because we've seen it a million times. I, uh, I'm not super optimistic in that point, but depending what happens with Texas and Iowa State, uh, I think there's a real chance that Oklahoma State could be the second or third best team in this conference, but you got to stay healthy, especially on the offensive side of the ball. We've talked about this forever. You know, the elites in college football stack recruiting classes on top of each other, and they've got dudes at every single position on the depth chart. Uh, Oklahoma State, They've got young guys at every single position on the depth chart. You just can't suffer injuries. And every year we see it where by the time mid to late November rolls around, Oklahoma State's missing a few guys that they really need. Uh, and the next thing you know, they're getting torched in Bedlam. So hopefully Oklahoma State can stay healthy because Tay Martin, Jalen Warren, and Spencer Sanders, I mean, those three on Saturday night, that looked like quite the set of triplets. So hopefully, hopefully those three will be together the rest of the season and none of them will have to miss any more action. Yeah, you can't – you just simply can't lose Warren or Martin 
and and obviously Sanders. I mean, it's just we've seen that in years past when they lost Dez and the offense just completely fell off 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 the rails. And that's just that's the reality. I mean, you lose a, a Justin Blackman type. That's just that's just how it goes at Oklahoma State. So hopefully they can stay healthy. They've had some brutal injuries already to start the year. Brock Martin gets hurt in this game. Mike Gundy says he will probably be back in a couple of weeks because he's he's a wrestler and wrestlers are tough. So a normal football player may not come back from that, but he certainly will. Uh, let's address the second half, Colby, before we move on. I mean, do we have to? I, we have to. I mean, how frustrating was it in the stands? And look, I, I get there were penalties. They had seven penalties for 64 yards in the half. Uh, Alex Hale, they, they trotted out there like he was, you know, Sebastian Janikowski trying to make 50 yarders. I didn't understand that philosophy. Uh, just what'd you see from the second half and just for the second straight week, they don't score a point in the second half. Yeah. It, to me, it was more boring than it was frustrating because at no point did I feel like Kansas state had a chance to win the game, even a remote chance. Um, so it was more just boring because it just kind of seemed like they went into a shell and were content to just run out the clock. Also the commercial breaks were ridiculously long on the, on the ESPN plus game. So we just sat there staring at the official for most of the second half, but you know, like I said, there was a drive where Spencer missed Blaine Green on what would have been a big play up the seam, led him a yard too far up the field. Very next play, they catch Kansas State in a blitz. They've got Jalen Warren in a halfback screen that would have been a 70-yard touchdown. There was nobody in front of him. And I think he maybe tripped over the back of his offensive lineman or something and falls down. It just Things just went wrong. I will say this, up so much on a bad team in Kansas State, if you've got a kicker that's struggling with confidence issues, maybe you run him out there to try to let him hit a long one and, and start to feel it a little bit. He's just, and Gundy likened it to golf earlier, which I love because that's what I like in field goal kickers too. I'm like, you know, sometimes you're, you're missing it right and left. You're playing, call it army golf, left, 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 right, left. And that's kind of what Alex Hale's doing right now. He pushed one earlier in the game, going back toward Gallagher-Iba, and then he comes down to the west end zone and he hooks one. It's just, it's not working right now, but you know, sometimes kickers just have to figure those things out. So uh, I'm not too worried about Alex Hale. He's He's been pretty good throughout his career. I think he'll figure it out. But second half to me was just very boring. It seemed like they were happy to sit on it and just get it to the locker room. And that's what they did. So, um, you know, obviously in a close game, I would have liked to see them continue to open it up and do what they were doing in the first half. But they were very content uh, when it was 31-13 at halftime. I mean, they were very content to win 31 to whatever Kansas State ended up scoring, and that's what they did. So uh, I like the keep your foot on the pedal method a little bit myself, but I never felt like Kansas State was going to win the game. So uh, wasn't wasn't too bad, but just a, a boring half of boring football, really. Yeah, and this is where this is where when people complain about where OSU's ranked, just circle this game in Sharpie. Like, if OSU puts the pedal to the metal and beats them 56-20, 61-20, like, that's a statement. Kansas State beat the crap out of Stanford. OSU pops up and beats Kansas State 61-20. to That raises some eyebrows and earns a little bit more respect than a 31-20 game does. And I know – Texas. Texas drops 70, and they skyrocket. Yeah, and I know I know, Mike Gundy doesn't care about that, but I'm sorry. That that kind of – it kind of matters. Like, in and I think it sends a great message to your team. Like, look, we're we're out here to we're out here to step on people's necks, to use your phrase, and 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 take people's will. We're not content to just run the clock out. I just I don't know. And maybe I'm just being a a sourpuss when they're four and zero. Maybe I'm just looking for things to complain about. And it was a great win, a solid win 
awesome win, frankly. I just, I just kind of wish, you know, run it up. Like, let's go. Like, let's see some vintage OSU offense throughout the whole game, not just the first half. So I, I think when people complain about why aren't we ranked above this team, I think, I think results like this are, are, are certainly a factor in that. Also, Texas didn't skyrocket. I don't know what I was thinking of. Maybe I saw something wrong on Twitter earlier today. Texas They're not ranked. Didn't. No, yeah. No, no, no. I, I was mistaken. I apologize. Um, I, I saw something earlier today and, and mis, misread it, I guess. Uh, Texas did have the most votes of those receiving votes. Also, my favorite thing happening right now in college football is scrolling the AP poll and seeing Clemson at 25. Carson, I cannot stand <laughs> Dabo, I cannot stand him. I think he is the most self-righteous D-bag in all of college football. And to see Clemson at 2-2, two and two, ranked 25th in the country, brings me so much happiness, it's hard to even describe. Oh, it's this has been a crazy year. And to see Clemson with a 25 next to their name is just bizarre. It's so good. Now, why does Dabo rub you so wrong? Dabo, to me, is just, he's always been a guy that I feel like, I think Dabo loves Dabo way more than he loves his players. I just think that he... He loves him some Dabo. Nobody loves Dabo more than Dabo. The comments he made about retiring if they ever got paid were stupid, absolute nonsense. Some of the stuff that he said over the years has rubbed me the wrong way. He has started, you know, Clemson has one of the best entrances in all of college football where the guys run down, they touch the rocks, they run down the hill. I mean, it's really cool. And Dabo has totally made that all about himself by trying to run down like Usain Bolt so that he can get the cheers from the crowd instead of letting his players have them. I just think that Dabo is way, way more focused on himself than he is on his team. I just, I, I'm not, I've never been a Dabo guy. He's, he's rubbed me the wrong way for a decade. I get it. He's, he's, he's different. That's for sure. Uh, let's get to bullets and BBs. This is our segment where we give positive and negative praise some helmet stickers. Uh, Colby, what do you got for uh, your, your bullet? Oh, I've been looking forward to bullets and BBs. My bullet is going to Cole Birmingham offensive lineman, this guy for Kansas State, Spencer Sanders, rolls left, throws it away. You can clearly see on the replay, the defender has seen Spencer Sanders throw the ball away. The defender knows the ball is gone. He proceeds to take Spencer's foot and twist his ankle around, and Spencer barrel rolls to the ground, and Cole Birmingham does what you are supposed to do. He comes over. He puts his face mask right in that dude's face. He's ready for the action. Let's get after it. I only wish he would have gotten his money's worth even more. You go protect your quarterback in that situation, especially up 31 to 13. He got penalized, and I clapped, and uh, the guy behind me in the stadium was like, why are you clapping for that? That's on us. And I said, because offensive linemen are supposed to get into it when somebody takes a cheap shot at their quarterback. And Cole Birmingham was there, and he was ready to rock and roll. So, Cole Birmingham, shout out to you for standing up for your quarterback. That's the kind of stuff that brings a football team together, that brings an offensive line and a quarterback together. I absolutely love to see that. So as soon as that happened, I typed it in my phone. I was like, bullet, Cole Birmingham, <laughs> second half. I was, I had it locked and loaded all week. So shout out Cole Birmingham. I think I had, I pulled out my phone and, and locked it in for BB to, to the Kansas state player for doing that crap. That yes, was so, it was crap. that was such Bush league. Like let's hurt the quarterback after this game's already decided. I just, he deserved everything that, that Birmingham gave him and more so. And, and you're right. The, the offensive lineman, if you don't step up and protect your quarterback like, like that, you lose a lot of respect amongst your quarterback and the entire locker room. You got to go up there and just beat the crap out of the guy. And no one's going to blame you if you get kicked out of the game. Uh, but so good, good for Birmingham. That was big time, the way he stepped up, because he was one of the only linemen I think that saw what happened. Uh, so that's a, that's a quality 
bullet. That's my BB. Uh, my bullet's going to go to Jalen Warren. Again, I just think this kid has completely changed Oklahoma State's season. I mean, they couldn't run for two yards of carry before he was inserted as, as RB1, the job he did in Boise. His ability to catch the ball out of the backfield is a game changer because, I mean, that's just, that's just an easy, easy call when the O-linemen or when the D-linemen, rather, are, are trying to tee off on Spencer Sanders on third downs, uh, even first down, rather, if they think it's a pass play. And his receiving ability combined with just his ability to just get extra yards is, is really uncanny, and you can't really teach that. And it was funny, Mike Gundy was responding today on Monday about him getting the IV, and he's like, well, I, ch- I checked the hi- hydration charts, and he just gets too excited. He was plenty hydrated. So apparently <laughs> – this, this might fall into his, uh, his nutritional uh, pyramid in terms of how the human body interacts. But he, he said that Warren just got too, a little too excited, a little too, little too jittery, and that's why he, uh, he started cramping up. So hopefully uh, he can calm down and continue to run the way he is, Colby, because he's a difference maker. Yeah, absolutely. My BB is going to go to the Oklahoma State student section, particularly the thousand or so students that sit in the first section between the 20-yard line uh, and the wall on the north side of the stadium. As Oklahoma State was taking knees and the final seconds were ticking off the clock, about a thousand students started chanting at the Kansas State sideline, FK State, very loudly, very clearly. It was weird to me, Kansas State is just Kansas State. Like, it's not, there's not bad blood between Oklahoma State and Kansas State. And Stillwater is known as a place where you come to Stillwater, the fans are nice, the fan base has a really good reputation. It was so weird. I didn't understand it. It was a boring game. It wasn't close. I know college kids are idiots. I know that a lot of them had probably been drinking. But I just totally don't understand it. And and I'm not the guy that's like, oh, you should never cuss. But, I mean, it's 31-20. The, the clock's ticking down. There's kids in the stadium. I just, I totally did not get the very loud, very clear FK State chant as as the time was expiring. It was just, it was so unnecessary. Uh, I, and I, I found it kind of pathetic. Uh, and I, I was disappointed that uh, the Kansas State fans who were at that game were going to leave thinking that that's what the Oklahoma State fan base is about. So uh, I'm giving my BB to the student section because I mean, K-State's not a rival. It wasn't a bitter game where the team's almost gotten a brawl or something. It was just, I, I found it a little pathetic myself. So they get my BB. Yeah, that's just, that's just weak. That's just come up with a better chant than that. That's just, it's not very classy. So, and I'm not a big fan of telling fans how to fan, but, and certainly student section's going to do, going to do whatever they want. And Lord knows I said some, some things when I was in the student section, but just a chant about, you're right. Like K-State, it's like, they're like Switzerland. Like they're just like a neutral party. Like we, well, and the, and the game no was hatred. Over. The game was over. It's yeah, not like it was, the game was in, not in doubt. It was over. I mean, it's, it's not like there was five minutes left. They were tied at thirty-five and almost got into a brawl. And the well, maybe maybe they were chanting. Maybe they were chanting at the guy that tried to hurt Spencer. Maybe that's what they maybe. Were I don't know. I was just. It, it was almost like I was sitting in the stands and I, I was like, "Are they really chanting that? Like, who started that? And why? Why?" It's K-State. Why? Why? It serves no purpose uh, other than to just look like clowns. So, uh, and again, I'm not the, the never cuss guy. Uh, I cuss like a sailor, but I just, I found it very odd. That is strange. Uh, let's get to the Chris University Spirit Uniform Review brought to you by Chris University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. 
Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. What'd you think of the unis, Colby? I thought they looked slick. The white, black, white leg look is a good look. I really like that helmet. Uh, I thought they looked really good Saturday night. As soon as it came out, I was like, okay, these are, these are clean. These are nice. I, I liked what they were doing. No, I liked it. I mean, um, I get going to the, what I call scary Pete, you know, the, the black kind of silhouette Pete to go with the black Jersey. That makes sense to me. I love I love how they've just gone to the stripe on all helmets, the the black stripe in the middle with the two orange stripes on the outside. That just makes every helmet look better. It just does. It's awesome. I love that addition by the equipment staff. So for kind of a one-off home look that, you know, you're not going to use your best combos probably for K-State, I, I like the look a lot. I thought it looked pretty good. So yeah, exactly. Two, it's K-State. You're not, yeah, you're not breaking out the uh... – the the Barry Sanders throwbacks for K State, but I yeah. thought was, I thought it was a really good look. Yeah, I mean they didn't go like you know white gray gray or anything like that. That that would have got two <laughs> thumbs down from us. So I thought it was. Do you a, like the grays? Do you like any combination of the grays? I only like like the gray pants every now and then. I don't like gray the gray jerseys at all. I just think it's a wasted opportunity at home because you can't yeah. wear them on the road. If I could wear them on the road, I'd be okay with it. But I think it's a wasted opportunity to wear orange or black. Yeah, I don't like the grays. I I don't think they look very good. I like the gray pants on the road, you know, like with the black helmet, white jersey, gray pants, or yeah, you know, gray helmet, white jersey, gray pants. You know, I I like it. I like it as an accent more than the the main article, if that makes sense. Yeah, it just to me every time they wear gray, I'm like, man, imagine how that good that would look if it was orange, black, or white. That's just all I think about when they wear the gray. Yeah, exactly. So Oklahoma State facing Baylor on Saturday. You and I are going to have a much bigger, more in-depth preview uh, later in the week. Colby, anything else you wanted to hit on before we go? Uh, no, I mean, early thoughts on OSU Baylor. I feel good. Like I said, the Iowa State game was fraudulent. Iowa State shot itself in the foot. Uh, way, outgained, way outgained Baylor in that game uh, and just made a bunch of mistakes. So uh, I won't actually be there. My wife's high school reunion is Saturday night. Shout out Booker T, class of 2011. So we will be in Tulsa. So uh, I won't be there. Probably won't get to watch it, but I'll watch it on recording. Uh, and I like Oklahoma State's chances. Line opened at three and a half. Uh, seems like a, a good number for the Oklahoma State side. I, I would lay the points uh, is my early impression. But I'll do some more research and figure it out before later in the week when we do our official preview. Yeah, see, I didn't watch the Baylor-Iowa State game. So you're telling me Iowa State just outplayed them and then Brock Purdy happened? Is that kind of what, what uh, took place? It, it actually wasn't Brock Purdy. It was just special teams nonsense. They just completely uh, special teams just implosion. You know, Oklahoma State's had some games over the past few years where it's like, wow, they would have won that game if the special teams was even bad. Like, if you could have even qualified the special teams as bad, they win that game, but it was so much worse than that. That's what happened to Iowa State Saturday against Baylor. So, uh, I, I like Oklahoma State's chances, as long as they don't shoot themselves in the foot, which we have seen them do, uh, but I still, I don't think Baylor is as good as the win over Iowa State would indicate. Okay, that makes me feel good about the game because I, I like the OSU anyway, but I, I do think Baylor's improved. I like Dave Aranda as their coach. Baylor's hired really good coaches. They hired Matt Rule, who's one of the better coaches already in the NFL. I think Aranda's a pretty good coach too, but uh, I like OSU coming to this game. So we'll have to break it more uh, down in more depth uh, later in the week, Colby. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll catch up with you later in the week. Absolutely. Everybody have a great week. Go Pokes. <laughs>